This looks weird, I know, I'm going to explain. It's okay. <laughs> and for you gentlemen in the room, this is not going to be a ladies-only message, so we're, we're going to be all right, I promise. <laughs> I heard an amen. Start, starting off good. <laughs> uh, will you pray with me before we start, please? Lord, thank you for this day, and thank you for the blessings that you've given us. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come into your house and worship you. Lord, let me speak your words and your truth, not my own. Move me out of the way. Let each of us come to a better understanding of who you are through this message. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I guess I'm going to start out with my scripture reading because this will make sense later. (laughs) Uh, The scripture reference is in John chapter 11, verses 38 through 44. I'll give you just a moment. Since Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb, it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you would believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those standing here, that they might believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth wrapped around his face. Then he said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So the last time I preached, you got to hear a story of my childhood and me being chased down the stairs at my grandparents' house by my grandmother, who was wielding a large leather belt. I have another childhood story, not as funny, but relevant to our our topic today. Uh, Those grandparents that I talked about last time lived in a funeral home. So yes, I grew up in a funeral home. I was there uh, every afternoon after school and a lot of weekends. Did I have friends as a child, you may be wondering? Why, yes, yes, I did. Would they ever spend the night with me at my grandparents' house? No, they would not. We almost made it one time, but we had to walk that sister home at midnight, so never again. Anyway, um, my grandparents lived upstairs in the funeral home, and the funeral home was downstairs. And in the back of the funeral home, outside my granddaddy's office, was this closet full of clothing that the family of the deceased could choose from if their loved one didn't have uh, an outfit appropriate for viewing. And they're usually more dressy and ornate than, than what we might wear to church on Sunday. They were flowy and chiffony, and the, the suits were all nice and pressed and crisp. And they had almost this ethereal presence about them. And they looked like something, if you were to envision somebody walking through the pearly gates, this might be the earthside vision that you would have. Um, and the point of that is that the, the grave clothes, they look pretty, but they're useless. So when I was little, I would look at these clothes in Granddaddy's closet. I was always fascinated by them. I've always had this, this passion for fashion, I guess you'd say. And I would, I would look at these clothes, and I would think, oh, they're so pretty. And I, I would have this vision, like I said, of, of somebody walking through heaven I, in that, wearing that outfit. And 
I knew that this wasn't accurate, even as a child. I knew that this couldn't really happen, but I had that vision that maybe somehow it transitioned into heaven and they got to walk through the pearly gates wearing this really pretty outfit. And I wondered if the family had that same visual, if, if when they saw their loved one lying there for the last time, if they thought, that is what Grandma looks like right now standing at the pearly gates. And I know it's, it's not for real, but if you knew the truth about these outfits, your vision would change drastically. They're open in the back. Um, just food for thought. <laughs> so, anywho. Uh, so, as I was processing the sermon, I got to thinking about that person and if they knew Jesus. And what they were wearing in the casket is not even close to a representation of what they're wearing in heaven. And given what Scripture tells us, the little bits that it tells us about what we'll look like in heaven... We don't have anything earthside that can compare to what things will be like in heaven. So once again, those, those grave clothes that we may think are, are really pretty, they're pointless. Thankfully, we've moved away from that practice of, of burying people in these unrealistic garments. Now they're buried in something that looks like or would have been something they wore day in and day out. It would have been maybe their Sunday best or maybe their favorite baseball tee. I don't know. Um, but seeing our loved ones in that state, reminds us what they were, what they were like here before they passed away. So I looked for a dress like what Granddaddy had, and I even called Joy Bryant and said, hey, have you guys got any of these crazy things left over from way back when? And she said, nope. <laughs> so we've moved on from that. Because so I, I wanted to have a visual for you. I wanted you to really see what it, what it looked like. They just don't make those things, but they're harder to find. So instead, I have my friend Lola. Yes, her name is Lola. I used to have a little clothing boutique in my house, and we had to name Lola. So, <laughs> so um, since I couldn't find a funeral outfit, she's wearing something that, um, that I, I found online a few years ago, and I just had to have this dress. I thought it was so pretty, and if you look closely at it, you see that it's a pleated set, and it's got some sequins around the top. It's, I thought it was so pretty. But Shane Gibson and I have no social life, so I have nowhere to wear that dress. So a lot like those funeral dresses, that dress is pointless. It's been hanging in my closet for two years, and I'm a little bit ashamed of myself for making an impulse purchase and for keeping it that long. But I'm thinking one day somebody's going to invite me to something, and I'll get to wear that dress. <laughs> so, so the grave clothes that I've been talking about are a lot like a believer's old life versus their new life in Christ. What we are when we have new life in Christ should look nothing like what we looked like before God began to draw us to himself, before Jesus saved us, and before the Holy Spirit filled us with his presence. The clothes we wore when we were dead in our sin serve no purpose in our new life with Christ. We deal with things like sin and guilt and depression, and fear. Barge your shirt, babe. And the list just goes on and on. We could, I could keep pulling things out of here and piling them on, on to Lola. Um, those former things that we used to clothe, our, clothe ourselves with, they're pointless now. In John chapter 8, when the Pharisees brought the woman caught in the act of adultery to Jesus, after the incident had been diffused and her accusers walked away, 
Jesus had one simple warning to her, and that was to go and leave her life of sin. So when we walk away from something that has the power to destroy us, we aren't supposed to revisit that thing again. Jesus knew what he was doing when he told her to leave her life of sin, and the same is true for us. When we leave behind sin and the things of this world, Jesus doesn't expect us to go back and collect those things and try them on and, and, and make them fit our new life. He wants, them to leave it behind, wants us to leave it behind. Those old grave clothes, they are useless now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, when Paul is telling the church at Corinth to flee from sexual immorality, he tells them in verses 19 and 20, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. And although Paul's application was to sexual immorality, his teaching that the Holy Spirit of God living within us doesn't stop at the application of sexual immorality. It's holistic. God created all of us. Jesus redeemed all of us. And the Holy Spirit lives within us. So there's no part of our lives that should be clothed with anything other than the righteousness of God. So can I tell you another aspect of grave clothes besides the fact that they're useless? They're restrictive. When we try to continue to wear the things of this world, the things that kept us bound to sin, we can't function properly. Look back at that example of Lazarus that I read to you. When Jesus called him from the grave, he was fully alive but still bound in those grave clothes. And for this example, I've got a living, breathing human being. Miss Francis, would you join me? Francis and I have known each other for, I was thinking about it, probably 10 or 12 years. She worked at Tri-County, and I worked at the unemployment office, and we would have our regional meetings. Have a seat, Miss Francis. We would have our regional meetings there at the, at the uh, Tri-County office, and um, Francis and I struck up a conversation one day, and moon pies came into the conversation, and I love moon pies. I really love moon pies. And the next time I showed up, Miss Francis produced for me my very own box of moon pies. That has nothing to do with the sermon. I just wanted you to know how we met. <laughs> so in Jesus' day, um, the hands and feet would have been wrapped along with the chin and the forehead before burial. The whole body would have been bound in these things. I'm not going to mummify Francis, so, you know, just relax. <laughs> and then the entire body would have been bound with one long strip of linen. Um, when we remain bound in our spiritual grave clothes, we limit our functionality as Christians. So, for example, if I remain tied to my sin, I cannot tell you about this new life in Christ. I'm physically unable to tell you what Jesus has done for me. And if this gift of new life were a gift that I could box up, or wrap and give to you. And my hands are still bound by fear, shame, regret. I can't physically walk across the room and give you this gift. You'd receive no benefit from it. And if we're called, as Jesus calls us, to be the church and to go into the world and share the gospel... If my feet are bound, I can't even walk across the room, much less walk across the world and tell Jesus or tell people what Jesus has done for me. 
I remain spiritually ineffective to do anything that Jesus has called me to do. And we remain, uh, we remain ineffective and, and our growth in Christ is hindered when we are, remain bound in these grave clothes. When we continue to wear these grave clothes, we attempt to negate what Scripture says about God's sovereignty. We don't remove it. We don't have that power. But when we cling to sin and those things of the world, we hinder the work of the Holy Spirit within us. When we refuse to relinquish those things that held us in death, we negate the power of the cross and the sacrifice that Jesus made there. Friends, as believers, that is not in our job description. When we continue to deny the Holy Spirit's power in our lives, things get a little heavy, and and sometimes we need a little help removing our grave clothes. So after we see Jesus raise Lazarus, he tells the onlookers to take off the grave clothes and let him go. Jesus could have brought Lazarus out of the tomb fully clothed in, in something new that was unrestrictive, but he didn't. He chose to ask the onlookers to unwrap Lazarus. And he did this so that they would understand the fullness of what had taken place and to show them and us that we aren't merely to observe the changes that take place in the lives of others, but we're to take part in those changes. Just as Jesus asked for others to remove the stone that he himself could have removed, he asked others to remove Lazarus' grave clothes. God doesn't need our help, but he wants it. He does ask that we live in community and work together and help one another and pray for each other and encourage each other. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as, our, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. When we move from death to life in Christ, we aren't supposed to live in silos. We're supposed to support, encourage, and strengthen one another. Hebrews 3, 12, and 13 says this. It says, see to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Our active participation in the changes that God is making in our lives, excuse me, in the lives of others, changes us. It strengthens our bonds with other believers, but more importantly, it strengthens our faith in God because like the onlookers at Lazarus' tomb, we have taken part in a miraculous transformation that only Christ can cause. So now what? We've moved from death and sin to life in Christ, Our useless and restrictive grave clothes are gone. What comes next? Well, it's time to get a better tailor. I'm going to let you go. I had another idea in mind, but it didn't work. Thank you. (laughs) So we're told many times in Scripture how to live fully in Christ, but the passage that best gives a visual for how to do this for me is 10 through 18. I was going to have Francis put on the armor of God once she removed her grave clothes. But of all the things that Pastor Paul has in his kid's closet, he does not have the armor of God. What in the world? So I asked a few of our boy mamas if they had to have a sword and a shield. The closest thing I could find was a Power Rangers outfit. And I figured we'd probably best not go there. <laughs> so Ephesians six ten through 18 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, 
against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, that protects your midsection, right? The breastplate of righteousness in place, protects your chest, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You can run on rocks. And with that, you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, protect your head, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. There's that Christians helping other Christians piece again, too. So you don't, need to tell, you don't need me to tell you that the days are evil. We see it in the news, we see it in our social media feeds, and sometimes, unfortunately, we see it in one another. It would be easy for us to look at what's going on around us and throw our hands up and surrender. It would be easiest, easy for us to just pick up those old grave clothes and try them on for size again and just join in with the rest of the world. That God did not leave us defenseless and naked. He has given us new clothes and unlike those grave clothes, these new clothes serve a purpose and have a proper fit. In God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have all of the equipment we need to fight the devil's schemes. We have just the right garments for just the right circumstances. So when you find it tempting to pick up your old grave clothes and try them on for size, remember you've been given something better to wear. And remember the last thing that Jesus told the onlookers to do for Lazarus. He said, let him go. So don't you imagine that Lazarus had a story to tell? Jesus had performed the ultimate miracle. So if he's done that for you, don't just sit on that information. Tell somebody. I encourage each of you to go and tell of the miracles that Jesus has performed in your own lives. He's given us not just a new attire, but a new identity. Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this day. Again, thank you that, that you called us your own. You've unwrapped us from our grave clothes, and you've set us free from sin. God, we cannot do enough to, or say enough to thank you for that. But Lord, we give you our lives. I pray your blessings on these people. May they go and, and be unashamed and unafraid to tell of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good Sunday. <laughs> Weird. <Weirdo. laughs>